Well, hey everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and welcome to our sermon podcast. In this episode of our podcast, we are just a couple of days away from Thanksgiving. And this is a time of year where we are constantly reminded of how important it is for us to be grateful. But you know what? Sometimes that isn't very easy, especially in a year like the one that we've been having. Let's just be completely honest here. Our economy has been a pretty big mess this year. We've been seeing record high levels of inflation. It seems like the cost of everything is getting more and more expensive. And in years like this one, it's easy for us to focus on the limited resources that we have instead of everything that we have to be grateful for. Well, in this sermon, we're going to be reminded that even when we think our resources are, are limited, that we worship a God who can take even the tiniest of resources and use them to accomplish incredible things. And when we put our trust in God, God can use us to be an abundant blessing in a world that's in need. So let's get right into this episode sermon. We're going to begin our time together today by sharing with you a story that comes from the Gospel of John. So if you've got a Bible close by, go ahead and grab it and turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, we're going to start reading together in verse 1. Here's what John writes. He says, After this, Jesus went across the Sea of Galilee, some call it Tiberias. A huge crowd followed him, attracted by the miracles they had seen him do among the sick. When he got to the other side, he climbed a hill and he sat down, surrounded by his disciples. It was nearly time for the feast of Passover, kept annually by the Jews. When Jesus looked out and he saw that a large crowd had arrived, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread to feed these people? He said this to stretch Philip's faith. He already knew what he was going to do. Philip answered, Two hundred silver pieces wouldn't be enough to buy bread for each person. Get a piece. One of the disciples, it was Andrew, brother of Simon Peter, said, There's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. That's just a drop in the bucket for a crowd like this. Jesus said, make the people sit down. There was a nice carpet of green grass in this place. So they sat down, about 5,000 of them. Then Jesus took the bread, and having given thanks, he gave it to those who were seated. And he did the same with the fish. All ate as much as they wanted. When the people had eaten their fill, he sent this to his disciples. Gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. They went to work and they filled 12 large baskets with leftovers from those five barley loaves. The people realized that God was at work among them in what Jesus had just done. They said, this is the prophet for sure. God's prophet right here in Galilee. Jesus saw that in their enthusiasm, They were about to grab him and make him king. So he slipped off, and he went back up the mountain to be by himself. Now, the passage that we just read is one version of a story that you have probably heard countless times before if you've spent much time around the church. But as we worship together today, I can't help but wonder, when you hear this familiar passage of Scripture, where do you put yourself in the story? Now, I don't know about you, but most of the time when I hear this familiar story, I try to put myself in the shoes of one of the disciples. I like to be part of Jesus' inner circle right there so that I can see and hear everything that is taking place. So when I listen to the story, it's not hard for me to imagine the concern that Jesus would have had in his voice when he asked if there was any way that we could feed all of these people. And it's not hard for me to imagine what it would be like 
when all of the disciples kind of quickly looked around at each other and maybe took an extra long look at the group's treasure, which was Judas Iscariot, believe it or not, before we responded to Jesus and said, listen, Jesus, we, we know you're concerned and you want to feed all these people, but there's just no way. We don't have the resources to take care of 5,000 folks in this crowd. It's not hard for me to imagine that as soon as we finish telling Jesus there's no way we can feed all of these people, then another one of the disciples, Andrew, comes pushing his way through the crowd while he's basically dragging a little boy behind him. And I can imagine Andrew kind of stopping and having to catch his breath before he blurts out to Jesus, 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 listen, I, I know, I know you want to feed all these people, and I just found this little boy out in the crowd, and he's got got a couple of fish and a few loaves of bread, and I know it's just a drop in the bucket, and it's not much, but it's all the food I can find in the crowd. And I can imagine that little boy proudly holding up his little bag of lunch in front of Jesus and showing the Messiah the two small fish or the five barley loaves that his mama had packed for his lunch that day. And I can imagine a little grin breaking out on Jesus' face kept growing and growing until he became a radiant smile that went from ear to ear because as Jesus looked at that little boy and his little bit of lunch, Jesus not only knew what he was going to do to feed that entire multitude of people, Jesus also knew that he was about to teach his disciples an important lesson because Jesus knew that at that point in time, his disciples were focused on that minuscule amount of resources that they had. But Jesus was about to show them that what minuscule amount, the meager resources they had, didn't really matter. Because in God's hands, even the tiniest of resources can be used to accomplish incredible things. In God's hands, even the tiniest of resources can be used to accomplish incredible things. But the disciples, they only offer us one perspective, one place that we can put ourselves in, in the story. And if we really want to be able to understand and appreciate the story, then all of us need to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of someone that was in the crowd that day. So can you put yourself in the shoes of somebody that was in the crowd? Can you think about what it would have been like to travel from a long way off just to reach the base of this hill that Jesus was teaching on in hopes that you might be able to see Jesus from a distance or hear him speak that day? And can you imagine what it would be like after Jesus began teaching when you realized that even here when you were having this spiritual moment at the feet of the master, you still couldn't escape the problems of the world? Because when Jesus is standing there teaching, you start getting hungry. It happens to us all. But as soon as your stomach starts growling, you hear one of Jesus' disciples walking around telling you and everyone around you to sit down on the grass because lunch is about to be served. So can you imagine what it would have been like to plop down on that plush grass underneath you? Can you imagine what it would be like to sit there rubbing your hands together as you waited to see what Jesus had prepared for lunch that day? Can you imagine having to wipe away just the littlest amount of drool from the corner of your mouth as you were eagerly anticipating the feast that the Messiah had surely prepared? And can you imagine how you would have felt when a murmur started spreading from the front of the crowd and it reached you, and you heard that Jesus intended to feed everyone of this multitude of people with two small fish and five barley loaves that some kid had brought along in his Paw Patrol lunchbox that day? tell you 
you would probably feel extremely disappointed because you were anticipating a feast only to find out that you were to be lucky to get a single crumb of food. Now, if that's a little too hard for you to imagine, then just think ahead a couple of days. Think ahead to what Thanksgiving is going to be like for you. Now, on Thanksgiving Day, you're probably going to sit down to a table that is filled with all kinds of food. But if your Thanksgiving table is anything like mine, you're going to have some dinner rolls sitting on that table. And one of those dinner rolls that you're going to eat on Thanksgiving Day is about the same size as one of the barley loaves that the little boy has in the story in the Gospel of John. Now, you're not going to have 5,000 people sitting around your Thanksgiving table. But try to imagine what it would be like to have to feed however many guests you were sitting at the table with on Thanksgiving with one dinner roll. How far do you think that one dinner roll would go when it comes to feeding all your guests? And how do you think all of your guests would feel when they found out that you were going to try to serve them a dinner roll and that's all they were getting for Thanksgiving? imagine yourself in that situation? Have you ever experienced like somebody in the crowd that day would have experienced? Have you had a moment in your life where you were expecting big things only to realize you weren't going to get what you were expecting? Have you ever dared to dream big dreams, dreams of having too much, only to wake up to the nightmare of not having enough? Now, in a lot of ways, that's where our church has found ourselves at over the last few years. Even as we have sold our old building, spent the last 18 months in portable church, and even now as we're settling into our new church home, our church has been daring to dream big dreams. I think we all dream of a day when every seat in our sanctuary is filled with people. We dream of a day when our small group is overflowing. We dream of a day when our kids and our youth ministry are thriving and they have more kids and youth and teenagers that we can keep up with. We dream of a day when we're able to minister to as many people as Jesus did when he fed the crowd in the story from the book of John. But in spite of our big dreams, we haven't got exactly what we were expecting. And for many of us, if we're being honest, we have to say that we are at least a little disappointed, if not completely heartbroken, that our dreams haven't come. I've sat and I've thought about this story over the last couple of weeks as I've reflected on this passage of Scripture. I've realized that there is a problem that we run into when we only picture ourselves as part of the crowd in the story. And it's easy. It's easy to picture yourself as part of the crowd in the story. But when we do, when we can only put ourselves in the shoes of someone that is in the crowd that day, we become spectators to the work that God is doing all around us. We become spectators to the miracle that Jesus is performing in the story. We're sitting there, we're watching, and we're waiting, and we end up being part of that hungry crowd who is just waiting for the work of God to reach us. And that's not the way that things are supposed to be for us. We're not just supposed to be sitting back and watching and waiting for miracles to come and to reach us. But there's another perspective inside of the story that we need to think about. But it's the kind of place that you wouldn't ordinarily put yourself into when you hear the story. So what place is this? What's the place of the bread? It's the place of the fish inside of the story. 
yes, I know it sounds a little bit weird to think of yourself as being bread or fish, but just go along with me for just a minute here. It all make a little bit more sense as we think about it. Now, in this story, Jesus uses the bread and the fish to minister to, to serve, to care for a multitude of people. In this story, Jesus sends out the bread, he sends out the fish to feed people who are starving. But when you stop and you think about it, that's what we, as followers of Jesus, that's what we, as, as a church, are supposed to be. We're supposed to be the elements that God uses to go out into the world, to minister to, to serve, to care for the multitudes of people all around us. We're supposed to be the ones that God sends out to share the good news of the bread of life to a world that is starving to hear about Jesus. So, if we really want to be who God calls us to be, if we really want to be who God wants us to be as individuals in a church, then what we need to do is to shift our perspective when we hear the story. We need to stop being part of the hungry crowd and become what feeds them. We need to stop being part of the hungry crowd and we need to become what feeds them in the story. We need to stop sitting back and waiting for the work of God to happen all around us and to finally reach us. And we need to become active in our faith and in our story. Or to put it another way for you, what we need to do is we need to be less like people and we need to be more like bread. And again, I know that's weird to hear me say, but go along with me and it'll make a little bit more sense to you. Especially as we stop and we think about what we know about the bread in this particular story. And there are at least three things that we learn about the bread in this particular story that I think are useful for us as we think about what God wants us to be. So let's stop and let's talk about what we know about the bread in the story. Now, the first thing that we know about the bread in the story is what it's made of. The bread is made out of barley. Now, you may or may not know this, but barley is a pretty cheap and expensive bread. In biblical times, barley cost about a third of the price of wheat. So, in biblical times, what this tells us is that this bread, this barley bread, would have been available to and accessible to anyone and everyone who needed it. And if we're going to be who God wants us to be as individuals in a church, then we have to be the same way. We have to be available and accessible to anyone and everyone who needs our help. So that's the first thing that we know about the bread inside of the story. The second thing that we learn about the bread in the story is the amount of bread in it. And there are five loaves of bread. Again, about the size of a dinner roll. Five loaves of bread, but there are 5,000 people in the crowd who want to be fed. So you have five loaves of bread, which is a really limited amount of resources. But you have 5,000 people wanting to be fed, which is a huge crowd. Now, when we think about this story like people, it is really easy for us to be overwhelmed by the number of folks that are in the crowd that day. And when we become overwhelmed by the number of people that are out in the crowd that day, it is really easy for us to fixate not on the size of the crowd, but on the amount of our resources. And when we fixate on the amount of our resources, it doesn't take long before we completely forget that there's this multitude of hungry people that need to be fed, and all we're focused on is how can we get more bread? How can we add more resources? That's just not the way that we are supposed to think. Now, if you're here with us in person, you can look around the space that we're in right now, and you can see that we've got...
got more than five people that are worshiping with us here today. But we know that our church still has limited resources. But that doesn't change the fact that God calls us to minister to a multitude of people. God calls us to minister to the community that we're in. God calls us to minister to the city of Louisville. Now, according to the most recent estimations, the population of Metro Louisville is 1.4 million people. So we've got a church with a few dozen people, and we're called to minister to a huge city with 1.4 million people. Now, the sad thing is that a lot of times we completely forget that we're called to minister to all of those people, and we're only focused in on the small resources that we have available to the church. That's what happens when we approach this story like we're part of the crowd. But when we approach this story like we are the bread, it changes things. Because when you think like bread, you never forget about what you're supposed to do. You never forget about the people that you are supposed to feed. And even though it seems impossible that these five barley loaves could ever feed a multitude of people, that's exactly what happens. And even when it may seem impossible that a church the size of our church could ever possibly minister to a multitude of people and the community all around us, we actually can. As long as we remember the third thing that we learn about the bread in this passage of Scripture. And the third thing that we learn about the bread in this passage of Scripture is the most important thing that we learn about it. The third thing that we learn about the bread in this passage is that it's in the hands of God. In this story, Jesus holds this bread in his hands, and Jesus breaks it, and somehow Jesus is able to turn five loaves of bread into enough food to feed 5,000 people and still have leftovers. But it happens because that bread is in God's hands. Now, you may or may not realize this, but as a follower of Jesus, as part of the church, we are in God's hands as well. Now, I'll be honest with you. If I picked up a dinner roll today or on Thursday when Thanksgiving rolls around and I try to break it up, I'm never going to be able to feed 5,000 people with it. But God can. So we need to remember when we're feeling a scarcity of resources, when we're feeling like we are just a, a few crumbs of bread trying to feed a million people, that we're not doing it alone. We are in the hands of God. And we are in the, when we are in the hands of God, God can turn us into And sure, you may not see it when you look around and you see the number of people that are sitting inside of our, our sanctuary space. You not, may not see that abundance, but we see it in the, the ministry that we do every single year in our church. We see it through the lives that we touch, through all of the ministries that we are involved in. Just think about what we do with an organization like Habitat for Humanity in our church. Now, Melbourne Heights has partnered with Habitat for Humanity on the Baptist building for the last 30 years. That means that we have been providing housing to people in need inside of the city of Louisville for 30 years. And over the course of the last 30 years, we've helped build 30 houses to make the dream of home ownership a reality for 30 different families. And we've changed their lives forever. Or think about the 
connected with the Cabbage Patch Settlement Works. Every year in the weeks leading up to Easter, we collect an offering of tangible items that we donate to the Cabbage Patch House and their work with over a thousand at-risk kids in our community every single year. And when we take up this collection, we collect at least a few thousand dollars worth of personal hygiene items and non-perishable food items that help keep the pantry at the Cabbage Patch House stocked for about six months out of the year. So whether you realize it or not, our church helps feed a multitude of people through our work with the Cabbage Patch House. Or think about our work with the Angel Tree. We've worked with the Salvation Army and the Angel Tree program. This year we'll make our seventh Christmas working with them. Over the previous six years, we have helped provide Christmas gifts to about 500 kids in need inside of the city of Louisville. And we just finished up our shopping for this year's Angel Tree yesterday. And as we started on this year's Angel Tree, we thought that we were going to be taking care of about 75 angels off of the list. We ended up being able to take care of 83 kids, providing Christmas gifts for them. And when I tell you that we provide Christmas gifts for them, I don't mean that you just give them an item or two. Now, when we take care of these kids, we provide them with uh, a value of $100 worth of clothing and $50 worth of their toy wish, whatever that may be. So over the course of the seven years that we've been doing this, our church has helped provide about $90,000 worth of toys and clothing for kids in need in the city of Louisville. Or think about the way that our church chipped in when uh, floods ravaged eastern Kentucky just a few short months ago. Over the course of a couple of weeks, we were able to come together and put together 21 different buckets that were filled with resources that people who were digging their way out after these floodwaters started to recede needed for their lives. So our church sent a few thousand dollars worth of these buckets to help people as they started cleaning up and trying to find some semblance of normal in their lives again. And I haven't even talked about the ministry that we actually do online every single year. Over the last 12 months at Melbourne Heights, we have ministered to 7,500 people through our church website alone. These 7,500 people come from 121 different countries and all 50 states. 1,500 of them are right here in the city of Louisville. So whether you realize it or not, God's already using our church to minister to a multitude of people. God is using us to abundantly bless the world all around us. So we need to stop thinking about ourselves as being limited. We need to stop thinking about things that we cannot do. We need to stop thinking that things are impossible for us. And we need to remember who we really are. We are God's people. And the God who created the heavens and the earth and everything in them calls us to serve. What an incredible blessing us to be involved in. God calls us to serve Him. We need to realize that. We need to realize that we're God's people. That God calls us to serve Him. And yes, even though we may seem small, in the hands of God, we are abundantly blessed. We may seem small, but in the hands of God,
personally imagine. Just this morning, I woke up to see somebody who had been touched and blessed by a Facebook post that we made two years ago in Oklahoma yesterday. They saw the post and shared the way that it had been, they had been blessed through them. Things you would never imagine. But this is how God can take you every single day, whether we realize it or not. God uses us to be the bread that he sends out into the world, to share his abundant blessings of hope love with those all around us. So let's let, let's let God continue to work through us. Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we are so thankful for all of the ways that you use our church to minister to people that we can't even begin to imagine. God, we thank you for the way that you use us in our relationship with Habitat for Humanity and we thank you for the way that you're using our online ministry to reach people right this very second who are worshiping with us online in this moment. We thank you for allowing us to share the good news of Jesus Christ in this world all around us. And we pray that you allow us to, to think beyond the limits that we may set on ourselves and see the abundant blessings that you can use us to bring in this world. So God, help us to see ourselves as bread in your hand you're going to continue to send out to feed those who are hungry and thirsty. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that this episode has reminded you of the way that God can use you to be an abundant blessing in the world all around you. And do that. Go out into the world and share the blessings that God has given you with other people. Well, in our next episode, we are going to be starting into our Christmas series here at Melbourne Heights. This year, our Christmas series is called The Best Christmas Ever. But don't tune in next week thinking that I'm going to give you a recipe to cook the best Christmas cookies you've ever made, or that I'm going to give you tips on how to decorate a tree better than you ever have before, or even that I'm going to give you tips to pick out the perfect gifts for your loved ones. Because I'm going to let you in on a little secret right now. There's no such thing as a perfect Christmas. And our efforts to make Christmas the best Christmas ever every single year, well, they end up leaving us feeling frustrated and worn down. So instead of trying to figure out how we can make this Christmas the best Christmas ever, what we want to help you do is learn how you can make the best of this Christmas, whatever it may bring. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when our next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, that episode will be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. Or come and worship with us every Sunday morning. You can join us online at mhbclouisville.com slash live at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time on Sunday mornings. We would love to have you come and join us. Well, until next time, I hope that you have a great week and a very happy Thanksgiving, and we'll see you back here soon for another Sermon Podcast.